Ghost note is a note that's played, but goes unnoticed, like so much of the work behind the music before it hits our eardrums. I'm Hannah Copeland. Join me for in-depth, honest, and unpredictable interviews of Kansas City's music makers, plus new music happenings to put on your radar. It's all on Ghost Notes via the Fountain City Frequency Network. We've all been wowed by a six-string guitar player, but what about a 60-string guitar player? Jeff Freeling used to play the electric zither, a 60-string monster of a guitar used in his past career with the Blue Man Group. In 2010, he quit his job with Blue Men to become the Victor of Victor and Penny, Kansas City's own antique pop duo. He's scaled back to a six-string guitar, and his partner, Aaron McGrain, plays ukulele. Jeff was bit by the travel bug at an early age, so a career as a nationally touring musician suits him. He spent 205 days on the road in 2013, and he says his motivation to keep on trucking came from the joy of playing music and his partnership with Aaron, also known as Penny. Victor and Penny has evolved from playing 20s and 30s covers to creating their own original music, but with that historic jazz sound. It's a delicate balance between past and present. They just released their first album of almost all original music on March 4th. It's called Electricity, and you can hear it underneath the interview today. Thanks for listening. This is Ghost Notes. Biology. We're combining organically. Mm, and that's the science of love. Oh, love, oh, love, oh, love, mathematically. Have you been in the music business your whole life? Well, I, I mean, I suppose if doing a, a concert for a group of fellow sixth graders at the age of 12 was my first foray into the music business, then yeah, most of my life. For any of your bands that you played in, what's your favorite show memory in Kansas City? There's several different ones for different reasons. Like there's, you know, the time that the that a Mongol Beach Party show ended in a fight between the sound men and us and the crowd because a because a cymbal stand fell over on a microphone, and then everything from uh, you know the first time Aaron and I as Victor and Penny played at um, an Alzheimer's uh, memory care facility, and just uh, the incredible emotion involved in a performance like that and seeing how we affected all those people. Is that kind of the beauty of being a musician is that you get to experience anything? Yeah, to me it is. To spectrum? me it is. It's um I, I'm not I'm I've never wanted to be in the same place every day, you know, for as long as I can remember. Um I sort of uh, got the the travel bug in me from an early age. Um, and, and never thought that I would want to have a job where I was just in the same place every day, you know. And so, in a, in a way, being a musician has allowed me to, to do that, just sort of experience different experiences and locations, you yeah. know, all the time. It Was it 2013 you were on the road 205 days yeah. a year? Yeah, yeah, that was intense. It was super fun, though, you know, and we, uh, we didn't travel as much last year in, in, in 15 um, I think we'll do more this year in 2016. Uh, but that was that was the first time that 
either one of us really got to do the kind of traveling and touring and playing music that we had both always wanted to do. And uh, it was it was quite an experience, quite an experience. And we uh, even more so because we booked it all ourselves, planned the whole thing ourselves. You know, it was quite an undertaking and, and quite an experience doing it in itself. What kept you energized that whole the whole time? Uh, the music, the music that we yeah. do, and then our 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 partnership and our relationship, and the, the fact that we just love each other's company. You know, just like we we keep each other going. worked for the Blue Man Group for a dozen years, right? That's right, yeah. Is that what you did before Victor and Penny? Yep. Can you tell me just a little bit about that job? Sure. I auditioned for the gig in the the last part of 2001. It's a great job. The the great thing about that job is at the time that I started there, like the turnover amongst the musicians was almost non-existent. In fact, the the guy that I was replacing was leaving to go join the Goo Goo Dolls. (laughs) So that was the the reason he was splitting, you know. so uh, I auditioned for the for the part, which was playing the electric zither in the band. What's a zither? Um, it's it's a it's an old German instrument. Um, there's sort of a lot of different uh, versions of it, but the one that that I was playing that was built specifically for this show had sixty strings um, that had open tunings on the bottom, and then sort of like really uh, like piano strings on the top for playing single notes. And this was all plugged in through a bunch of uh, effects processors and into a guitar amp. So it's, in a lot of ways, it sounded like a rock and roll guitar, but it was an electric zither. You say 60 strings? 60, yeah. It had 60 strings. How did how does one learn how to play the zither with 60 strings? Uh, Is it like a, a piano? A lot of practice. Well, n- not really. I mean, you sit at it like a piano, but what you're looking at is like sort of like an auto harp or a, or a harpsichord. Or not harpsichord, but really like an auto harp. Um, there's like six sets of um, open tuned strings on the bottom half. So it's like you're looking at six guitar necks, okay? Um, and then the top half is all the single note stuff. So it's like sort of splitting your brain into two two parts, and you would you would um, play with a, a slide on your on your left hand, okay? So all these, it's like it's like playing slide guitar, really. Um, so I had to kind of learn how to do that because that wasn't something I had done before. And you know, they when you get this job, they they train you specifically on this instrument. You know, it's like they don't they're not looking for guys who know how to play the zither. You know. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna teach you the show on this instrument. So really, like you're learning the instrument as you're learning the music from the show. Yeah, it's just a very specific uh, a very specific uh, skill set, and they just show you how to do it basically. And you just spend a lot of time practicing it. Did you have a home zither to practice on? No, huh? But you know, <laughs> the, the theater was always open during the day, and, and, and wow. for the first few months, you know, before I started playing shows, they'd have me come in during the day and just work on it. You know, to you. So you got it up to show speed. Okay. Is that what you did the whole time with them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also played, uh, there's another instrument called the Chapman Stick, and I eventually played that as well. What's that? Uh, uh, that's uh, it's like a cross between a bass and a guitar. It sort of sits upright on you. Um, guys like Tony Levin from King Crimson kind of made it famous. He used to play it a lot. Um, and you sort of playing bass and melody at the same time. Um, the... Uh, the way it's played in the Blue Man show is not quite the traditional way in which you play it. And um, rumor has it, for that reason, uh, Emmett Chapman, the guy who invented it, was not not pleased with us for the way, the way it was used. Ah. <laughs> Did you have to paint yourself blue? 
Uh, no, no. Uh, the Blue Men were blue. The band was uh, various sort of uh, various colors that, that of paint that showed up under UV light. Okay. Uh, when the when the right moment would come. How did you know that it was right to drop everything and just do Victor and Penny full time? Um, well, as cool as as Blue Man was, and it was cool, and it was great. It was still um, someone else's material. It was still someone else's show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still going in and doing someone else's work. You know, um, it was fun. I met a lot of great people. Made a lot of great music. But in in my heart, I wanted to get back to doing what I've always done, which is create create my own thing at least and so that was very appealing when Aaron and I started talking about first doing this and we thought man this 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 could be cool and then we went we went on our first little tour um, which was about three weeks out west <clears throat> and it was just hugely successful and we thought man this is this could be something this is cool let's let's do this yeah so it, it it just I didn't really have any second thoughts about it. Yeah, it just seemed like well this this just has to happen. You said that you wanted to get out of the Blue Man Group to write, I mean more material and be Victor and Penny with Aaron. Uh, but you play you you play other people's material and you write your own. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you pref- have a preference? Um, I prefer doing our own material. Um, it's inter- the interesting thing about Victor and Penny is that it started out. We just were we're just playing music from the twenties and thirties. That's where we wanted to start. We thought, you know, this would be a cool side project for both of us, and we really enjoyed doing that. We enjoyed the research of it, and we enjoyed playing all these cool old tunes. The ownership of Victor and Penny to us was in the way that we did it. You know, that was the originality of it at, 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 the, at the onset was the 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 way we presented these tunes and the way that we sounded. The fact that we were a ukulele and an electric guitar. Yeah. You know, um, that was. That was the originality of it to us in the beginning. That's what made it ours, you know, and um, in the arrangements that we would do. Um, but now we're we've gotten to the point where we're we want to bring that part of us as songwriters that we haven't really explored much in this project because we're both we both have always played in bands where we've written our own material, you know. Um, back before I was in Blue Man, you know, back in. The, and uh, so now that's that's the the exciting thing to us right now, and the exciting thing about this new record that we have coming out is the that we're bringing our own material, um, informed by the music of this this era that we've been playing the twenties and thirties and forties too, um, but bringing our own material into this into this project is, mm-hmm. is it's exciting, it's great, it's the best of both things. you decide on guitar and ukulele well guitar was easy because that was my instrument yeah. you know and that's what i always play um we still we still ask ourselves that where did how do we <laughs> arrive at the ukulele yeah. um we were um 
you know, Erin was moving at one point, and we came across this this uke that she had, this ukulele that she had, and it had belonged to a friend of hers, and we were messing around with it a little bit. It wasn't a very good instrument. We thought, man, it might be fun to do some of this material, you know, and then that, that instrument, of course, was used widely back then. And I thought, let's try it. It was in the 20s and 30s? Oh, sure, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and... Um, so we thought, well, let's 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 try this, you know, let's try it with guitar and ukulele, and we went to um, try to get her a, a better instrument, you know. And I, I I tell the story about how she basically learned how to play in a couple hours sitting in a music store in Chicago, while the, <laughs> the the guys that worked there were sitting at the front desk on a conference call or something. She sat there with all these ukuleles and a and a chord sheet and learned how to play, you know, and. Uh, then she remembered that she had this old ukulele, oh, that her dad had this old ukulele that she could remember from her childhood. And um, she wrote him and asked if he still had it, and he did, and asked if you know, she wanted it. She said, yeah, and so he sent it. And it's this amazing old you know, 1952 Hofner ukulele. And as soon as we opened the box, we're like, oh man, this is, this is something special. This instrument is yeah. special. And the sound we started to make immediately just, I don't know, it just, it just took off. It just, it just made it, made it all make sense. How much of your, how much of your soloing is improvised and how much is planned? Most of it is improvised, probably 80%. Um, there are bits and pieces of some tunes that I play the same thing all the time just because I like it or it just has become a part of the song. Um, you know, I remember when I was young and I was learning how to, play guitar solos and how to improvise and all this stuff I got I'd get so frustrated when I was making some you know making some recordings because I was like oh, I can't get a great guitar solo improvising because I listen to all these great records like all these Steely Dan records which I was big into and all this stuff and finally like I don't know I was probably in my teens I realized I'd read something somewhere or saw something that like oh they they actually composed those solos you know a lot of those great amazing Steely Dan solos are compositions in themselves I was like Oh, that makes me feel better, actually. <laughs> they're, they're still amazing. But the live stuff, you know, when we're playing live, it's, it's improvised. It's the sound. spontaneous was the, the, the spontaneous energy of it plus like if you had to write out a guitar solo for every one of our tunes or write out a horn solo right it's just it's um, sort of impractical you know yeah and part of what jazz is is the is the um, the the connection between musicians and audience um, because of the improvisation because of the moment you know it's like capturing capturing a, a moment of music yeah. you know for for everyone so do you do that you you you're playing you feel a moment and you uh compose a improv improv improvise with that moment that's how it works yeah for sure i mean there's there's a there's a song form and then in inside that form or the are these moments for improvisation like mm -hmm. a standard jazz form is a a, a b a so there's the a section you play it twice for the b section for the a section and then okay james take off 
Yeah. You can play an AABA, and I'll play an AABA, you know, just over the chord form. It kind of starts with the melody and goes from there. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a big part of, of what we do. like most about your your album that's coming out the new stuff i like that it's our own material yeah that we've been able to do the thing that we said that we wanted to do with victor and penny when we started like okay we're gonna do all this stuff in the 20s and 30s but we're gonna add our own material into this we're gonna add our our own voice to the music of that time period and come up some with something that doesn't sound um that doesn't sound gimmicky that doesn't sound like a novelty act yeah it sounds like that we're taking the, the the cinnamon and the vibe and the the feel of that era and adding a modern voice right. to it and I, I feel like we've accomplished that actually which is yeah which feels great to me and that's an interesting point you brought up because i think it is a very fine line between a, a gimmick and um you know great musicianship yeah. how do you, how do you define that line I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare try to define it. I just hope that we would never fall on the other side yeah. of it, what <laughs> wherever, wherever the line is. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I leave that to the people who write the articles and and you know host the radio shows. Um, you know, someone. It was some article that came out last year that said that we had proved to be more than a novelty act, and that that meant a lot to me because that's what we've been. Well, I shouldn't say we've been trying to do that, but that means that we're doing something right. It's like we're not. We're not just a gimmick, and we're not just this cute little, hey, everybody, you know. Um, I'm not sure I know, can, can define what the sure. difference is, but I I, I, I feel I feel like we're on, you know, this side of it. <laughs> and I think <laughs> so. it's, it's yeah, I mean, you're taking a huge risk applying so uh, the past and the present to your, yeah. to your gig and trying to be genuine to yourself at the same time. Yeah, because you risk being labeled as old-timey or, you know, like I said, novelty or something like that. And I think we're, I think we're not. Do you think um, your success has anything to do with Kansas City in particular? Yeah, I think it has it has a, a lot to do with it because um, Kansas City has just been a great place for us. I mean, we call it like an arts incubator, you know. Kansas City is a great place to create art. It's a great place to base yourself out of. Um, there's so much support here, you know, for what we're doing and for what a lot of artists are doing. What's and some of the support that you're, that you're talking about? I think both, you know, both there's, there's, there's monetary support from groups here in town that, like, say they're going to support artists and do, you know, mm -hmm. and give them money. And then there's just support from fellow artists, you know, that are just, whether it's they're there cheering us on or we're helping each other get gigs or whatever. Um, I feel that being a Kansas City artist, it's, it's something we talk about no matter where we go. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's a rich history in Kansas City, especially of jazz. And um, we, we, we talk about that a lot. You know, wherever we go, and we, we talk about how things are happening in Kansas City right now. Right. You know, so. Because you have been a musician elsewhere. Yeah. And so, can yeah. you you can see a difference? Yeah, or? for sure. I, like when I was in Chicago, I mean, I was there for 17 years, and it just everything felt very disconnected there. You know, it felt like everyone was kind of on their own. 
you know, and there wasn't really a, it didn't feel like there was a very supportive scene there, you know, and then a lot of that could be due to the fact that there's just, there's so much of it. There's so many more people and so many more bands and musicians. Um, this feels like family here, you know, it just feels more nurturing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite guitar to play with? Um, probably the one I'm playing now, which is this early 60s K mm-hmm. archtop, uh, old jazz guitar. Um, I like it so much that we found another one uh, back in the spring and bought another one. So I have two of them now, and I've got um, a friend of ours who's a fantastic uh, player himself and luthier and repairman down in Tulsa working on it. Um, so I have these two Ks, and these are, these are my favorite things to, to play right now. Well, yeah, what, what do you like about it? Um, just the, the, the warm sound of it and the feel, and, uh, you know, we've been doing so much of, of what we're doing now that it's, it's really, um, I feel like it, this guitar speaks the language of what we're doing, uh, both to the music and to what Aaron and I do together, you know, like it, it communicates well with her instrument Yeah. as well. You know, and it's just, it's a great feeling. It's like, it's like as soon as we start playing together, it just immediately sounds like music, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's, um, you've been together, Victor and Penny, for five years now, right? Yeah, almost six. Almost six. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. What is it, what does 2016 look like for you? Well, the record's going to come out in March, and then I think most of the year is going to be promoting the record, like going wherever we have to go, whenever we have to go there to, to um, put electricity in people's ears. That's the name of the record, Electricity. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of traveling. I think it's going to be, um, you know, less, uh, probably less bar shows and coffee shops and more theaters and more performing arts centers and um, festivals. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Are uh, those more fun than bars and coffee shops or are they just a different vibe? Different vibe, yeah, yeah. I mean, bars and coffee shops can be great, um, yeah. but you have to play play a lot of those to pay the bills. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thanks for being here, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff Freeling's band, Victor and Penny, is active on social media. Follow them. You can find a packed schedule of upcoming concerts and workshops, plus links to buy Victor and Penny's music at victorandpenny.com. This is the portion of the show we're calling our forecast, where I tell you about all kinds of different musical happenings in Kansas City before our next episode, which is coming out on March 24th. First, I gotta tell you, if you want to learn about Aaron, which is Jeff's other musical half, also known as Penny, you can go back and listen to our previous episode titled Aaron McGrain. You can see Aaron and Jeff playing live today and tomorrow, Friday, March 11th, if you go see them at their songwriting lab in the lobby of Missouri Bank in the Crossroads sometime between 10 and 5 in the day. You can submit phrases to them, and that phrase just might end up in a song, so choose wisely, folks. On Snake Saturday this year, which is March 12th, you can see this acoustic funk band called Three Orange Whips. What a name, right? They're playing at One-Eyed Jacks in the Northland. We've never promoted anything in the Northland yet, but I'm happy we are because Kansas City, Missouri is 320 square miles, so there's music everywhere. 
If you are an ex-marching band geek like me, you can relive your glory days by watching the 44th annual Kansas City St. Patrick's Day Parade. It's happening on Thursday the 17th at 11 in the morning. The parade route runs down Broadway from Linwood to 43rd Street, and it ends with an excellent day party with live music by the cover band Sellouts in front of Club 303 on Westport Road. They'll be playing for free, and it is one hell of a party. It's cover music, but they have costumes and a fantastic stage presence, so power to them. There's a jazzy experimental group called Jorge Ariana Trio playing with Other Masquerades and Orator on Saturday, March 12th at Records with Merit in Westport. The Facebook event says to expect ugly guitars, gloomy synth chords, and bitterness all night long. Records with Merit is a special place that puts on free, intimate shows in a small place with a big personality. You should check it out. Electronic, ambient, and EDM fans. There's a stealth lineup of seven different DJs performing at the Jackpot in Lawrence on Saturday, March 19th. Kemper from Topeka, Kansas, and Madman from Lawrence are just a few of the names. It should be a lot of good music, and at the Jackpot, you always get hella bang for your buck. It's worth the drive. I want to hear about your musical events in Kansas City. Send me an email to ghostnotespodcast at gmail.com. There's a good chance I'll announce it on our next episode on March 24th with Joe Stanziola, the rapper known as Secondhand King. Ghost Notes is produced by Matt Hodap. Our theme music was composed by Jamie Searle. Our sexy new website, fountaincityfrequency.com, was created by Matt Sullivan. And I'm your host, Hannah Copeland. We'll see you in two weeks, everybody. Can't remember how it goes Slim hopes and low blows Whippoorwill and hips long low She runs into the soft grass with her eyes on He paints himself a corner